But now I'm going to give you a summary. I'm going to give you a summary of doing liquids in just a couple of sentences. Number one, the basic stem is in the future, is in principle part number two. Secondly, double lambdas and yodas drop out going from one to two. Thirdly, you can predictably make the third principle part by bringing a yoda in with an epsilon and not bringing a yoda in with an alpha, and they're generally weak. Fourth, the fourth principle part will probably be unusual, and you're going to have to memorize it. Fifth, the fifth principle part will always be related to the fourth principle part, and you don't have to memorize it. And sixth, the sixth principle part will be unusual, and you'll generally have to memorize it. So in general, now just listen to what I'm going to say now. In general, you only have to learn three principle parts. One, four, and six. From one, you can make two and three predictably. Four is wacko, probably, so you're going to have to memorize that. Five comes off of four, and then six is going to be weird as well. So it's, it's not as if it's kind of like, you know, angelo, bubanzo, ebabab, or something like that. You know, it doesn't work like that. There, there's a kind of a predictability. You can make two from one and three from two. Four is its own man. You can make five from four. Six is its own man. Now, uh, I'll tell you what, just to kind of show you here, flip ahead to page 188. Let's just take a look at the second vocabulary, second, sorry, sorry, the second last vocabulary word, spiro, I soul. Now, taking our principles, this is what will happen. Spiro, you know that for the future the yoda will drop out and it'll have that contract verb pattern. So it'll be spiro. Now, since there's an epsilon as the major engine room of the stem, a yoda comes in, it's weak, so your aorist is espira, like that. See? So it'll go like that. You can basically predict these things. Okay, now, now I'd like you to take a look in your book. I mean, normally we make the presentation, as you know, with the book closed, but we're just kind of looking at forms today. Now we're at the bottom of 185, the third principal part of Bino and Gnosko. These are very, very old verbs. Look at their basic meaning, to walk and to know. It's not surprising. And, well, it's not surprising that very old verbs of very basic things. See, I mean, to use my standard example, we're not talking about a verb to spackle, okay? This is good, basic stuff of life. Now turn to page 186. The aorist active forms. We'll do bino first. Look at the indicative forms. Ebane, ebase, ebe, 
Ebemen ebete ebesan. Hmm. Bino, what was the future of Bino? The future of Bino was be somai. There we can see the be, which is the kind of basic lengthened alpha of Bino. So now we get these forms. Ebain, ebes, ebe. Now just take a look at these as I put these up here and tell me what this construction actually looks like or reminds you of. The what? Those are secondary endings, good classic secondary endings. Any connecting vowels there? No. They're put right on to the stem, right? Take a look at this. What are those forms, Bits? Air is passive. And I've said ad nauseum that air is passive takes what kind of constructions? Active morphology, right? Here it is. See? You've got the air is passive is essentially using this old morphology. So it's not, the, the way to think of it is like this. It's not that Bino is using the Aorist passive morphology. It's that the Aorist passive morphology is using the old Bino type of morphology. There's another verb we're going to get in about a week that'll do the same thing. This is the oldest morphology there is with no connecting vowels. And you just slap the endings. You're right, uh, um, Phil. These are secondary endings. And you just put them right onto the stem. So, ni sigma nothing, men te. And what do we have here then, Ben? San, the oldest third person plural secondary ending. Now, I'd like you to just drop your eyes down the page to ginosko which is halfway down the page, and I'd like you to look at the indicative there. Egnon, egnos, egno, egnomen, egnote, egnosan. The same thing is happening, except now, rather than the eta being the long vowel, now we have a stem with the omega being the long vowel. And what do we do? We put the same endings on. See? Egnon, egnos, egno, egnomen, egnote, egnosan. Egnosan. Now, these two verbs are not really exactly paradigms for anything. They just are. You know? It's like the verb to be isn't a paradigm for any other, other ver verb. So these two old verbs use this old morphology. We'll see this old morphology also reflected in histemi to stand. But essentially, there aren't any other ones that go like egnon, but it's just following the same pattern. All right, now let's take a look at the infinitive for each one, please. Benai, 
gnonai. Aha! What do we have there? Nigh, the active infinitive ending, which was also reflected, you'll remember, in what? Lithenai. Yep. See? Aorist passive takes active formations. Nigh is the oldest active infinitive ending in the Greek language. And we find it also, you'll remember, in the perfect lelike nigh. And the verb to be ainai. All right, now let's look at the participles. Basically, what you have is the stem. I'll take this away here. Basically, what you have is the stem, bant. And we're doing a third declension. What's the nominative form? The nominative form is bants, with a sigma. Now, we know Greek never wanted that combination. Nu tau drops before a sigma. Alpha lengthens, so bits. That's a long alpha in bas. Bas. Bantas, bante, banta, bantes, banton, basse, basin, bantas. What you have here is a pattern that actually goes just like a weak aorist. Now look what happens with agnon. Agnon has a agnon has a pattern that's like the strong aorist, except guy. I mean, this is this thing about these you know, first forms, the first form, which is gnus. It's not um, gnon. It's not gnon. Now, let me put this up here. I'm going to move over to this board. Let me move this up here, uh, put this up. Let's take lipo, our, our um, paradigm, elipon. So we had lipon, lipuntus. I'll do the masculine singulars, Leponti, Lepontas. All right? Now, for this, I'll just leave that. We have Gnuntas, Gnunti, Gnunta. Now, this is not Gnon. It's not Gnon. Instead, they were using, apparently, gnunts. Gnunts, which is then, this drops, that lengthens, and you get gnus. So you just kind of, kind of, I mean, this is a kind of a noobly that we talked about. And you just got to sort of recognize that. So when you have review time, for example, you check your masculine singular nominative participle forms. Just make sure you got those down. So, gnus, gnuntus, gnunti, gnunta. Notice that the feminine, of course, uh, gnusa is, is normal. Now, the, um, uh, these two, I have to tell you, when I wrote the, uh, uh, when I was writing the book at Fort Wayne, and we had the print shop version, I had forgotten to put in the aorists of Bino and Gnosko because they're just these 
kind of two sets of forms from the third principle part, and you've got to find some place to put them. So, um, you know, I had had them around in various places and so on, but you can't put them too late, or what happens is when you start getting to subjunctives and imperatives and so on, you haven't gotten them yet. So, uh, uh, what's important about these are very old forms. You're generally putting endings right onto the stems. You use standard active endings, secondary endings in the indicative mood. And you're going to have the nigh and so on for the infinitive and the participle. And no middle forms occur of these verbs. 